day or so ago, Marianne, after she got out of her prayer closet, said, we should have that service here on Sunday. Rather than to cancel, we should have it here. And uh, so I, I, I talked to Pastor about it, and Pastor said that would be, that'd be great, and just send out a notice and whatever. And then he told me, he said, you need to share the word that uh, God gave you the other day. So today, what we're going to do is just, I'm going to share the word God gave you, and then we're going to go through some scripture, because the word that he gave me is all about having no fear, having no anxiety, uh, having the great hope of Jesus Christ, of having uh, the fact that we know who we are in Christ, and that we are more than conquerors in Jesus People oftentimes forget who they are when they get under stress. And what we're seeing right now is a chain of events that is much different than anything that we have seen before. Now is not the time for us as Christians or as for the church to forget who we are, to forget um, or lay aside what we've been called to do. And so the, the first thing I, I want to do is share the word, and then I'm going to go to uh, Luke 21. And so you can look that up while I share you the word. Now, the word from God was, tell my church that they should have no fear, no anxiety or worry, but be filled with the great hope that I have given them. They are to remember who they are in Christ, that they are loved with a great love, and they are more than conquerors in my name, saith the Lord. Now that's what he gave me. And so from that, you know, what I have done is to go through each part of that and found scripture that talks about what's going, what, who you are and how we can stand on that scripture to deal with those kinds of things that are in there, the fear, the anxiety, or whatever. But first of all, Luke 21. The events of the last week has caused a great deal of anxiety and fear in the world. And the reason for that is real simple. The world believes in a certain way of doing things and they stand up for certain principles and their economy and, and their belief system and their foundation is founded on something completely different than what we believe in. What's happened in the last couple of weeks is that system's been shaken. It has been rocked. And when you find people who have no real foundation and what they're doing gets comes under that kind of an attack, then there is a great deal of trepidation. There's a great deal of fear and anxiety. And they worry about what's going to be next, right? And they have no relief because they have no truth. And uh, so the reason why we're going to go through Luke 21 is real simple. Luke 21 talks about Jesus speaking about the end times. And the fact is, is that we're seeing the manifestation of many of 
the things that God predicted about the end times. So, uh, if you go to Luke 21, especially verses 9 and 10, okay? Somebody have that and they want to read it? Verses 9 and 10. Speak up. Okay, keep going. Do one more. Yeah. Now, what God revealed for me out of that was a couple things. First and foremost is there are things that have to come to pass for Jesus to come back. Now, that's our, in the word that he gave me, he said, they should have no fear for the great hope that I have given you. The great hope that we have is the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. He's going to redeem the world. He's going to give us uh, the opportunity to be with him for, for forever. That's the great hope. But there are some things that have to happen, and Jesus in chapter 21 is talking about the fact that there are things that will take place. And we're seeing those unfold uh, right before us. He said about rumors of wars and wars against nations and kingdoms, and yet it will not come. But then he said there will be great earthquakes, and there will be famines and pestilence. I think in the last uh, month or so, we've, we're seeing the fruition of some of that come to pass. And whether or not you believe that this is a, a really great uh, pandemic or not, the world does, and the world's reacting to it by shutting everything down. Everything is changing. People are going to the store, and you've probably have seen examples of that, and they're acting out of fear, and they're hoarding, and they, they have no care for anyone else because elderly people who might need those very same groceries are having a very difficult time getting there and getting through the store and maybe not even finding anything. So there's no love uh, within them for their fellow man. So we're seeing the, the prophecy of God come to pass in the fact that these times are here. And they're going to take place. And as Connie mentioned in the last part of there, uh, that we will be persecuted. If you belong to Jesus Christ... You need to settle the question, will I be persecuted? And the answer is yes. But the, th this isn't the end of the story. 
If you were in the world and somebody told you you were going to be persecuted, what would you stand on? Would you stand on the legal system or would you stand on your reputation or would you stand on the money you have in the bank or would you, what would you stand on? We as Christians can stand on this. It's true, it's everlasting, and its promises are yea and amen. The Bible provides us not only the wisdom that we need, but it provides the answers that we need when we face these kinds of trials and tribulations. Okay? So, <clears throat> I want to go back, and the first part of this, in the, in the, mess, in the word that God gave me, it said, have no fear. Have no worry and anxiety. Second Timothy 1.7. Everybody should know this one. You ought to write it on, on a piece of paper and put it up on the wall and, and whatever. And so every time you get under stress, every time you're challenged uh, by the circumstances in your life, every time something happens that gives you that tinge of, you know, what's going what's gonna to take place next. You should look at this verse and you should stand on it. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That verse right there should settle the question for us because if we are going to feel any anxiety or fear or worry, then we know that that anxiety, fear, and worry is coming from the devil. It's not coming from God. And we should rebuke it and stand upon what God says he's already given us. And he gave us what? Power, love, and a sound mind. The people running around Costco pushing each other and whatever have not got a sound mind. When they're fighting over parking spots just to get in the store to do what? I still, for the life of me, can't figure out what toilet paper's got to do with a, a viral infection. All right? But the epitome of that kind of not having a sound mind are people then going and hoarding it and then coming back and putting it on social media and trying to sell it. I mean, what have we done? You know, where are we? Okay? Let's go to Matthew 6.25. One of the great lessons that um, I think Jesus was trying to teach his disciples in this chapter was, who do you trust? Where's your faith? When, when you hit that rock, the hard spot, where do you go? And one of the things that we as human beings spend a great deal of time about, and, and, and I, I'm not being picking on anybody, but I've noticed in my near 70 years of life that women do this a lot more than men. And my wife is a great example of that. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> women worry more than men. You worry about everything. You worry about the little details. You worry about... Yeah, yeah. I don't know what, but there's just something in your DNA, in the natural, that you just, you worry, right? 
You're concerned. You have a little bit of anxiety about this. If you've got kids or, you know, whatever. But in Matthew 6.25, Jesus is telling his disciples, don't worry about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, or about your body and what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? What the subplot or what the meaning in all this is, this is an issue of faith. He was trying to challenge them to think about their, their earthly life here in a different manner than what they're traditionally thinking about. People would think, well, what am I going to have for lunch? Now, I'm a foodie, and there's people here that probably are too, but I enjoy eating. Okay? But I shouldn't be so worried about that that I'm fixated on it, right? I'll give you a quick story. A good friend of my wife's, when all this was going on, she communicated to Mary Ann, you need to go out and buy two weeks' worth of food and stock up and do whatever. That was her first reaction. And the end result is, if that's her first reaction, then where is her faith? What is she trusting in? Okay? So we know that Christ has told us that don't worry about it. He's already in Timothy told us that you don't have that spirit of fear. It's not given to you by him. Matthew 6.27, just down the page. This one is really difficult for us to take hold of. And it says, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You can worry all day long. You can worry yourself sick. You can put yourself in a real tizzy about what's going on. And, you know, oh, man, the sky's falling. And it doesn't change anything. And the, and the reason I think he's saying this to his disciples is really pretty simple. You can have fear and anxiety, and it's not of me. But if you have me, then you have that sound mind. Now. Now you can operate in the power of my word, in the power of who I am, rather than in that anxiety and that fear. What are you going to walk in? Are you going to walk in that anxiety and that fear? Or are you going to walk in the blessings of God, and the Spirit of God? Okay? Titus 2.13 Titus. Well, he's little known, but he's he's awesome. Two thirteen. <clears throat> While we wait, is everybody there? Kind of in the back of the book, just ahead of Revelation and all of those. Everybody there? Okay. Titus 2.13. While we wait for the blessed hope, 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the word that we got was, I have given you this great hope. I have given you the expectation of not only a fruitful life here on this earth, but an eternal life with me. Okay? While we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing and the glory of Jesus Christ, this is our living hope. This is what the world does not have. They don't have the assurance of who they are. They don't have the assurance of where they're going. So when everything gets blown out of the water and you have one of those days which we call a life-changing event, it doesn't change the fact that you still belong to him and it doesn't change the fact that you still have the blessed assurance of life with him for now and forever. Amen? That's why we've got to remember who we are. We can't let what we see, what we feel, and what we experience in the world take from us the knowledge and the wisdom and the power of who we are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hebrews 6.18 Hebrews is known as kind of the book of faith, isn't it? <clears throat> and faith is the currency of the kingdom, right? The word says we cannot please God without faith. Hebrews 6.18 We who have fled to take hold or believe in of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. So we'll unpack that a little. We who have fled, that means you have left the world and you're now operating in a different system. You're now in the realm, God's realm. You're in the realm of Jesus Christ. Okay? You have fled that system and now you're by faith, you've accepted Jesus Christ, and now you're operating in kingdom principles. That's a good thing. We oftentimes don't remember it, but it's a good thing, right? <clears throat> of the hope set before us that we may be greatly encouraged. Again, identity. Who are you? Who are you in Jesus Christ? What are some of the things that the scripture tells us about who we have become? Well, you can go through the list saying, I am redeemed. I have been forgiven of a great debt. I'm no longer lost. I am now a son or a daughter of the Most High. My father is the one who created all of creation. He is the one who spoke the worlds into existence. Yet he is the one who pursued you with a great love. So greater love that he sent his son to pay your price. 
And he died for you, even if you were the only person, he would have come and done it anyway. That's how great a love God has for you. So, if we're looking to be greatly encouraged, knowing that, should we not be greatly encouraged because of who we are? I'll give you an athletic kind of an example. If you've ever been in athletics or whatever, you know sometimes, the people who sometimes boast the most and talk the trash and do all that kind of stuff are the people who really aren't that good. But the people who know they've put in the work, the people that know that they have that kind of God-given talent, the people that know that they're going to give it 100% when they hit that court or whatever, they don't have to talk about it. They don't have to brag about it. They know it. The great thing about us is being followers of Jesus Christ, we should know down deep within our heart and within our soul that that's who we are. And nothing can take that away from us. Amen? 1 John 5.4 Now this all came out of the, 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 the word that I got. And the reason why I want you to go through all of these, what God wants you to do, is get a picture of who you are and what you should be standing on. And there's just scripture after scripture after scripture that talks about this. And we blow right by them. We don't think about them. We don't stand upon them. We don't make them part of who we are. 1 John 5.4. Everybody have that? Now we're going to get into this warfare thing. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Let's just stop right there. You're the winner. My question to you is, do you act like it? You have that knowledge, but are you putting it in faith? Are you, are you, are you, are you taking that and acting it out in your life? Are you the winner? Do you have that assurance that we just talked about? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith is really the belief in things that are not seen, right? If you could see it, it's really not faith that you believe in it, because you can see it, or you can touch it, or something. Now we're talking about the fact that you're believing in something that you cannot see, that you have no way of putting some reference around it. Okay? You believe it simply because you believe it. God has given you that kind of faith to believe in him. That kind of faith is what you need to overcome. Go back through this week, just real quick, and think about how many trials you had, how many issues you've had, how many times that you were tested. Small things, big things, whatever it is. It happens every week. It doesn't go away. 
So you have a choice of arming yourself with the Word of God and the promises of God and acting like that and going forth knowing that you're going to overcome, or you can go the other way. Either way, you're going to have trials. Think in your life when you had great faith. Did you have a trial? Did you run into issues? Yeah. Think about it when you were not a child of God. Did you have issues? Happen 